0: Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.
1: G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier, and today a podcast uh, proudly sponsored by Victoria University. We'll tell you a little bit more about them shortly. And in fact, uh, one of their senior lecturers, a senior lecturer and researcher, in information Systems and Program Director at uh, SAP at Victoria University, Dr. Scott Bingley is our guest on the uh, podcast today, and we're going to be talking about data and a whole load of things. Uh, very interesting stuff that Scott's got to talk about too, um, and a lot of it has a lot to do with small business and uh, many of the applications you can use there in terms of technology and data, uh, data processing, uh, also, of course, uh, data retrieval, how to uh, interpret data, all those things coming up when we talk to Scott Bingley, very shortly. Sure. Shortly, but a reminder about Victoria University. Now, we know Victoria Uni is a university of opportunity and success. They've been doing it for over 100 years, they have a proven track record. And uh, some very uh, very, uh, very well-known alumni came out of Victoria University too. It's the University of the West of Melbourne. Uh, it absolutely aims to be inclusive rather than exclusive. It is a, a university that offers accessible education. Now, they've got a virtual open day coming up on uh, August 29. If you want to know more about that, if you want to know more about the university, there is one place to go and you know where that is. That's the website, vu.edu.au. Uh, diversity is a strength of Victoria University. They see it as a strength rather than a challenge or anything else. Uh, The more diverse perspectives, identities, cultural backgrounds, ages and experiences of our staff and students, the better our working environment. Have a great attitude, have great programs and are terrific people. So we're very happy to have them and very proud to have them as part of our podcast here for uh, the Talking Wyndham podcast. So let's get stuck into it for this week with Dr. Scott Bingley. Scott, thanks very much for your time on the Talking Wyndham podcast. Uh, so what uh, what's the version of lockdown look for a senior lecturer at Victoria University at the moment?
2: Oh, it's, it's all working from home. So I had to go down to Bunnings and buy a desk. Um, so now I've got a fold-out table I'm working on. Right. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a, a, a work computer, so all my programs are already installed. But yeah, a lot of it's just looking at a computer screen all day, not going into the office, not interacting with students face-to-face. Yeah. Well, it hasn't changed too dramatically for me. I think I'm a little bit lucky. I've got away from doing a, a bit of teaching this semester. Yep. So therefore, I don't have a big class to talk in front of. Um, I've just got little meetings with students. So it's been a very interesting way.
1: Scott, how are the students handling it? Uh, from uh, I mean, we, we've we seen uh, homeschooling for, you know, for, for little preppy kids and uh, uh, through the all the levels of high school. Uh, how, how at university level uh, are students coping?
2: Uh, I think, The cohort I've been teaching, uh, generally international students, I think they've had a little bit of a hard time adjusting because all of a sudden they don't have those support mechanisms that probably local students do. But they're, they're, I think now they're a little bit into it. They're in semester two. Uh, They're coping much better. They, they're a lot more on time for meetings. They um, there's more attendance in class. I think they're starting to work with it a lot better.
1: Okay, so Dr. Scott Bingley, tell me, uh, Senior Lecturer and Researcher in Information Systems and Program Director of SAP at Victoria University, what exactly does all that mean in English?
2: Yep, uh, well, being a Senior Lecturer, like many people, I guess, uh, we wear different hats. So um, we, I do teaching, so I will I look after our, some of our Master's students. So I look after our internship unit where we place students in uh, roles in northwest of Melbourne. Uh, doing business analytics, sort of, sort of stuff.
0: Yeah,
2: um, but also I look after what sort of SAP programs we use. So SAP is just a big software company, and they implement a lot of uh, programs. So they're one of the top ten software companies in the world, uh, and their flagship software they use is like a what we call an ERP, which is a massive computer system that does everything for you. So we look after that, and that's our practical component. So we've got a Australia's only SAP NextGen Innovation Lab. We run industry projects out of that. Um, We do a little bit of research out of that as well. And we also do some – we're very closely aligned to SAP, so we do some commercial work from a little bit as well. Um, But doing research, all my teaching seems to be in this very big computer system sort of space, but all my research seems to be in small business, which is is nice because I get to see the best of
1: both worlds as well. So what industries are you talking about, uh, Scott? Well, a
2: lot of well, for our interns, they get placed in a lot of healthcare providers, okay. they, um, technology companies, uh, energy companies. Um, so a lot of these sort of medium to large organisations where they can do business analytics stuff. They can look at data, they can give insights, they can visualise the data. Um, and with our next gen lab, where we do industry projects. We've done some for electrical companies, manufacturer, glass manufacturers. Um, car lease uh, places, but the project we're working on this semester is a, a virtual reality project with our student services at VU. Just the way of a different way of students accessing information, not only just face to face and went through websites. They get to bring it alive with virtual reality, which is a pretty cool project we're working on at the
1: moment. Okay. Um, uh, tell me, data is a, is a word that's used in, in every industry, in every walk of life, everywhere you, you, you blink at the moment. People are talking about data, data collection, all that. Is, is, that, the, is that the new frontier?
2: Yeah, they, they say it's the new oil, the new commodity. <laughs> so the more data you have, the, the more you can look at, the more you can analyse. And we're all about data, um, data-driven decision-making. So looking at what the data suggests rather than just gut feelings and listening to the person who gets paid the most to make the decisions. But again, it's not super much like a science. It's more an art. What data should speak more than other pieces of data? What's actually representative for what we're actually trying to achieve? Uh, Do we have that confirmation bias where we just find what confirms our ideas anyway? Yeah. So it, it goes down to more an art sometimes rather than a science.
1: Yeah, because there, there's always, no matter you can you can make figures tell you anything that you want them to make.
2: Exactly, eighty percent of research studies do that. Yeah. So yeah, another made up
1: fact. Yeah. So, what's different in the data world uh, than to the to the world that we've grown up and uh, you know that uh, I've seen in, in my industry in, in radio and television that where they, they make the figures tell you what you want to, them to say for you. Uh, how's that changed? And is is that an ongoing process?
2: Yeah, I guess the sheer volume of data now. So now yeah. we're not, not only looking at one source, we're looking at multiple sources, we're looking yeah. at social media, um, real-time information that comes in, um, but we're also being able to put that data together and visualize it almost in real-time as well. So before, maybe 20 years ago, there may have been a lag of analyzing data or collecting data after an event, but now we can get that in real-time through the magic of smartphones, and therefore we can... Hopefully make better decisions and quicker decisions, but the good companies do that because a lot of their data sources are linked up. However, some of the other uh, larger companies where that doesn't happen fall behind a little bit.
1: So how much is the, is the data world changed in the last, say, five years? Is it one of those industries that changes almost on, you know, uh, on a daily basis? Uh, I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, all of a sudden, companies start sharing data um, so they can get more out of it. Um, Google, Amazon, um, it's no coincidence that if you look up something on Google, you'll see ads on on Amazon. Yeah, uh, I think everyone sort of knows that. So therefore, just real-time decision-making and, and automation is also another factor. So someone's not sitting behind a computer in, an Amazon thinking, this person's looked at this, a machine does this now. Yeah. So all that stuff, I think, in the last five years, automation has been a big part of it, but also the sheer amount of data that they've got access to.
1: So when you wanted to go to Bunnings to buy a desk and you were looking up desks, did all of a sudden a million desk ads uh, pop on your Facebook page?
2: Yep, and for the next <laughs> six months, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. even <laughs> though I've got a desk now.
1: You want to scream, I've got a bloody desk already.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, and masks as well. I looked it up once, I bought one, and that was fine, but yeah. so now I get them everywhere.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the world that you're putting
2: us into, Scott. <laughs> Well, I'm teaching the people to put it in there. I might <laughs> have to teach them a little bit differently.
1: So when so when you get into the into the the data, uh, you know, studying data and so what do you, what do you actually what do you walk out with? What degree do you walk out with? Yeah, well,
2: there's sort of two streams uh, or maybe um, a spectrum. There's the, the hardcore data science, computer science, technical one, or the the other end which is more the business one. So what we do in the business area, which I'm in. We try and make decision-making from that data. So a lot of the the IT, computer science, they will all be about compiling data, collecting data that way, whereas we try and make decisions based on that data, okay. visualizing it better. So therefore, you can walk into an organization and go, well, something's not working. We want to see how it goes. Um, so we run some data, and then we'll refine a model over time. I think a classic one was actually from the Second World War where they had... Uh, all these Cessnas come back that were damaged, and they, they try to work out why, if we strengthen them, maybe they wouldn't get as damaged as much. So they they armed the, the bits where they had holes, but they had no improvement. The only data they were missing are the planes that didn't come back. So therefore, you have to start thinking, well, what are we missing? Is it representative? And start refining a model over time.
1: Data can be very overwhelming. How in a business sense, for the the business people that are listening to this podcast who who run, a, you know, be it a, a a car dealership or an accounting company or whatever it is they run, uh, how, how how is how's the way for them to use data to their advantage and not to be overwhelmed by it?
2: Yeah, so I guess um, for small businesses or medium-sized businesses, there's a lot of um, tools out there, generally free, that you can use. Um, say their website or their social media presence or I guess for the larger term, their web presence, you can use Google Analytics and that'll show where people have come from, if they've come from Google or if they've come from their Facebook page. Uh, You can use the Facebook Analytics to tell you all that stuff as well. So I guess from a customer perspective, you can see where they come from and where you can spend more money and time and effort into your marketing. But also uh, after that, you can ask them, um, their feedback as well. So, data doesn't always have to be automated and get it digitally. Uh, data can still be talking to your customers and asking what they've done and getting their insights that way. Yeah.
1: Um. What, what's the What's the com- common sort of thing that the students ask you about uh, using this data and de- when they've got this data?
2: Yeah. So we, in the business analytics unit, um, I, w- I was doing up until probably last semester where I handed it over to someone else. Uh, the major assignment for that is I would pick a social topic, say uh, homelessness or going green, and they'd have to make a 10-minute video. they have to collect data, they have to analyze that data, present it and tell a story from that data. And that's generally what a business analyst does. So I guess the questions I'd always ask are where can I find data, how do, how do I compare this data? So it's always good to have an insight, but unless you compare it to something else, you don't know whether it's good or bad. So therefore, looking at, say, government websites to show that overall, this figure says this, your figure says this, so it's very good yeah. or very bad. Yeah. So I guess um, being able to compare your findings to see if they're good or bad is probably the next question i would ask.
1: It, data is obviously a very important uh, part of what you do, a very important part of what, of what the businesses do that are listening to this podcast um, is, it, is it something that, uh, that you can do without or is it something that you absolutely have to have um, as part of your business these days?
2: Well, I suppose there's different types of data. We have our operational data, which we use, um, our account-keeping data, stuff that we need to give our accountants, pay taxes, that sort of stuff. We'll have our customer data. But um, I guess companies can do it. Generally, they sort of look at this stuff when things aren't going as well to see if they can be better take the the pandemic as an example but we've we've done some research with some organizations that don't even have websites because they've got a few big suppliers or contractors and they don't need to look at their data they don't need to look at that stuff because things are going well they've been in the industry for 20 years they've got a good handle on how it all works but i guess um the companies that want to get further in front will analyze data and make those decisions based on their data.
1: Kind of uh, proofing yourself for what's happening in the future rather than the right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's a good predictor of what, what it can um, show. And particularly now with businesses having to pivot and change their business models overnight, yeah. generally we've seen entrepreneurs have to do that because they're trying to get big, they're trying to get move fast, something may not work, they change it quickly the more conservative small businesses, so the plumbers, the electricians, all of a sudden have to embrace this pivoting and they've got to look at their data and see what their customers sort of want, what ways they can imaginatively change their business model and what they sort of think may happen based on their previous results and their data that way.
1: Is it fair to say that not even, uh, no matter how good the data is, no one saw this coming? No, no one.
2: <laughs> um, I guess this this becomes a risk net, risk assessment. Yeah, okay. under that one. But yeah. um, again, you, you can only this is outside of realm of anyone anyone has had to deal with. Um, and all of a sudden, you're looking at your data or you're making gut decisions. So based on your experience, hopefully you're doing both. But um, yeah, it's a different time we're living in. So and. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get it right all the time, particularly when you're under more stress because you've got to pivot so quickly. But yeah, it's it's, it's different the way we're living.
1: Yeah, but the more information you have uh, and factual information you have, the, the the more equipped you are to to sometimes make some of those uh, those 360-degree uh, turns in your business. Uh, Scott, tell me a little and tell us a little about uh, SAP. What, uh, how, how would we know about SAP in our day to, or use SAP in our day-to-day activities uh, in, in business? How would we come across them? Yeah, so a lot of...
2: Yes, yeah, so a lot of it's a German company. Yep. So they generally, they sort of a lot of big businesses would use them. Um, they've got um, 144,000 customers around the world. Uh, you, you probably use a little bit of their software. So some of the big companies in Australia, Australia Post, use them to run all their computer systems. So that their flagship sort of software is an ERP, an enterprise resource planning tool. And this is the big enterprise system. So if you think you've got a supply chain system and a CRM system and an analytics system, this system has all of them, an accounting system, HR, and it all runs off one database. So therefore, if, say, that butterfly effect, if sales make a big sale, accounting sees it straight away. So it's all stored in one spot. They're, they have 92% of Forbes Global 2000 companies use SAP. Um, so they are very big company, which maybe people don't really know about, but um, uh, uh, throughout the world. So, And we use them as our practical component yeah. which for our uh, master's degrees in business analytics and ERP. And because of that, we've been using them for since 1997 and we've formed a very strong relationship oh, wow. um, with SAP. We have Australia's only uh, SAP Next gen Lab and we also, we're a hub university for them. So when other universities want to use SAP for their teaching. Um, it's a bit too complicated and stressful to for them to maintain it. So therefore, they subscribe. And where MVU is the uh, the hub university for the whole Asia Pacific and Japan region for that. So we we sort of don't not dictate, but we sort of um, say what should be used in our region as far as SAP goes.
1: So yeah, uh, it's an organisation with amazing vision, Vic University.
2: Yeah. So uh, I think um, moving to the block mode. Um, it was a significant milestone as well. So having students undertake a unit in four weeks and concentrate solely on that particular unit 100%, yep. it has been really innovative. And I think that's really paying dividends, particularly now when um, almost week by week, some weeks you can go outside, some weeks you can't. So having a four-week sort of block to concentrate on and then maybe the four weeks after that, we can't leave home. But that's all been changed to, to be online. Uh, our master's, we've always sort of embraced change and try to make things better and been innovative. So we have our will, we have in our master's, we'll have um, industry projects, we'll have internships. So we're trying to be the most industry-engaged university.
1: Yeah, I don't think well, you said That's be- what you want.
2: You're, you're training people to become workers and Professionals.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's any any doubt about the the vision and the innovation that uh, that Vic University has shown in in many many areas. Uh, I want to talk to you about. Uh, uh, I know you did some research into small business and its use of technology. Is is small business uh, uh, doing that well or not well?
2: Uh, not much has changed in 20 years. Unfortunately, they're doing it okay. Um, you have some that are doing very well, and some that are doing it okay, but I guess it comes down to um, resource poverty, which is the classic small business. Um, they don't have time, expertise, or knowledge to maybe use these technologies, and also they're real, they may be really good plumbers or electricians, but they're not super tech savvy, so that might be a bit of a barrier. But um, looking at some of the websites around um, Wyndham, uh, I looked at Encompass, so we, uh, which is a charity organizer or a non for profit, which yeah. looks at disability needs. And they've got a great website, great Facebook presence, great Instagram presence. They update that stuff regularly. However, they're all sort of separate. They don't they don't use their website to show a Facebook feed or an Instagram presence. And a lot of those tools are fairly mainstream now, where you can add that stuff into your website. Yeah, and that just puts something onto your website. It looks like it's being updated quite regularly because you've got posts from Facebook coming in, and also one of your, your plumbing businesses, ones and twos. I had a quick look into yeah. and great website again, very professional. They didn't have any social media buttons on the website. And I thought yeah, it's not a surprise if they're doing well, they don't really need that. But it turns out they've got a LinkedIn, a Twitter, lots of Google reviews as well. But I guess, yeah, linking all those um, things up together makes it a bit easier to be seen, to be found and um, shows the best parts of an organization. And there's lots of tools where if you have a picture page showing all the products you've done, the jobs you've created. It's easier to have that on Instagram and also an Instagram tool on your website, which shows those as pictures. Therefore, you're only updating it in one spot. So, you see a lot of small businesses will be very keen and enthusiastic to do this stuff, but just don't quite have the knowledge, time, or money to, to be able to embrace it fully.
1: And, and as you mentioned, small business, There's usually one or two people who are running it who are doing all the work and, uh, you know, uh, as well as uh, doing the, the books and, uh, and, and all the other stuff, um, yep. you know, out actually uh, fixing the pipes and unblocking the drains.
2: Yeah, this, this sort of stuff comes in level, uh, you know, item 10 on there to do with yeah. every day. So yeah. the more automation sort of smart tools they can use, it makes it life a lot easier. But again, yeah, knowing those tools exist is probably the difficult part. And we've run a few uh, projects where – some research projects where we've had – we've taught tradies and small businesses how to do stuff, but we've also had a a student mentor sort of fill in that middle gap about how – and then help them implement some of these tools as well. I I, guess giving them all the information is is easy, but then – Building that bridge between that and implementing it is difficult sometimes.
1: Uh, particularly if you don't have a teenage uh, son or daughter that you can scream out to and, mm. and yell help when you need it.
2: <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, yep. Especially with the Facebook and Instagram stuff.
1: Yep. Uh, is, that, uh, is that just, I mean, it's a fact of uh, fact of modern business life that all those things are a part of, uh, of the armory that you need?
2: Yeah. So, to get seen, yeah, you've got to be a bit more present online, particularly now when no one's leaving the house. So... I look in stuff online all day as well for items and um, that. And now there's a lot more competition because a lot more small businesses are getting better at it because they have to because of the pandemic. Um, So see if you can link up these tools and become more efficient at it. it is probably the, the key there. Instead of having an Instagram account and Facebook account where you have to upload stuff to each one, there are programs where you just sign in to all your accounts Put it on this one program; it puts it pushes it out to the other social media accounts. Having this sort of stuff on your website, your Instagram and Facebook feeds makes life a lot easier as well. Yep. Uh, so it's about becoming a bit more efficient about it.
1: And we talk about data the uh, the data that you can garner from uh, the Facebooks and the Twitters and all that. Uh, it's actually pretty sensational analytical uh, data that you can get back from them.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> on the Google Analytics, which is all free, uh, you you. you Put that to your website, you know, add it onto your website, and it runs in the background, and it's visualised very nicely too. So you can see if people have googled your name, or say a plumber in Werribee, and what's come up. Um, so you can see where you can spend a bit more money rather than just thinking. Uh, I, I usually buy a subscription to have a the, the um to this website. I'll keep doing that. Hey, it's
1: uh, got uh, the, the the obviously the ramifications of of COVID and the and the pandemic in 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 every walk of life. Um, do you expect it to make uh, big changes into the into the teaching world at Vic University in terms of the way you'll do things in twenty twenty one? Not just for the rest of this year.
2: Yeah, so I guess this year you can say that it's going to be uh, online yep. for the rest of the semester, and yep. I've been told the students that and they've embraced that. But I guess going forward, remote working I think will play more an in influence. So. I'm thinking that with my industry projects, instead of uh, meeting these just face-to-face every week, maybe there might be three weeks during the semester we just work remotely. So I think having those skills is going to be important moving forward. Um, who knows what will happen next year, whether they find a cure or a vaccine and it's fixed, or whether it's going to be six-week blocks about what we're going to do and what restrictions are in. But I guess having these skills about working remotely is going to be very important. I work on projects with uh, America and Germany, and we may never meet face to face now because we can't travel. Yeah. Um, so having these meetings um, and having that skill set is going to be very important in a more digital and remote working space.
1: It'd be interesting to see the data on how much more efficient we've become, uh, given that we're not spending a lot of time travelling to and from places than we are actually doing uh, meetings via Zoom, uh, you know, in our home office.
2: Yeah, so I've got my emails down to less than 10, which is unbelievable. So um, I I feel like I've become more efficient, Um, but I'm also working, I feel like I'm working longer hours because I've got two children as well who are at home, so I'll work for a couple of hours, parents a little bit, work for a couple of hours, so I'll find my working day gets stretched a bit further. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a work computer, so I can just, it's not a personal computer, so I can turn it off and all of a sudden work's finished um but i guess yeah getting sucked into working too many hours yeah and not having a break and i think having restrictions in place where we can't see our friends may emphasize that as well but yeah, I don't miss the, the train travel into the city, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think anyone does. Uh, and I think travelling to and from meetings and all those sorts of things that we're not doing at the moment too is something that we'll, uh, we'll take a very interesting look at uh, in, in the future. Scott, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights and uh, all the best of luck for the future, uh, both a bit of homeworking and a bit of home uh, parenting. Uh, good luck with both of those.
2: Thank you and thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks to uh, Scott for his time uh, and a very interesting talk there about uh, all things. Uh, at the start, probably, you thought, oh, here we go, data." Uh, but no, as you now know, a very interesting chat about uh, a whole myriad of things from uh, Dr. Scott Bingley. We thank him for his time. And again, we thank Victoria University uh, for their fabulous uh, participation and support uh, for this podcast series. And they are sponsoring this particular episode of the podcast. Don't forget, if you want to know more about what's going on at the university, go to the website. Uh, they're obviously on all the social media platforms. As Well, the website's a good place to start, vu.edu.au. As I mentioned, they have a virtual open day coming up on August 29th. Accessible education, that's what they're all about, and they're all about, uh, more importantly than anything else, they're all about people, uh, and their programs are catered to that, uh, the way they operate's catered to that, uh, and the, the way they run their business is catered to that too. So, Victoria University, thanks for your support. Don't forget, it's vu.edu. And until the next time, my name is Kevin Hillier. Uh, thanks for Talking Windham with me.
0: Thanks for listening. Talking Windom is an initiative of the Committee for Windom. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.